Hello and welcome to this brand new edition of the Lakers Side Chats. I'm your host as always, Alan Ramage. With me, his guest needs no introduction. It's like his fourth or fifth time on this show. Jabari Davis, the guy. Welcome, sir. How are you? Hey, Alan, I appreciate you having me again. I didn't know it was that many, but kind of like what you said in, in the lead in, uh, you know, before we started recording, it's the first time we can have actual positive stuff and not just, you know, hopes and prayers to talk about. So I'm looking forward to this. The Lakers are six and one. Oh, yeah. Yes. It just feels good. It, it, it feels right. All is well with the world again. The Lakers are back on top. How long it lasts, you know, it doesn't matter right now. Because what we're feeling right now is just the positivity flowing through our veins. You, you know, the funny thing about it is I I at least saw a path where they could have started off, you know, a, a bit slower than, of course, obviously a six and one start. Uh, but they, they've exceeded all of my expectations, specifically because I didn't expect the the, you know, the offense to the immediately click. Uh, I had questions about Vogel and and as well as the rest of the staff and, and some of their offensive strategies and whether they you know develop further uh, heading into the year. So I'm not necessarily shocked that that side of the ball you know you know has has been a bit slower to come around. But I've been pleasantly surprised with the defensive effort that we're getting out of everybody on the team, including you know one LeBron James. Just that guy, you know, just that league average player. Yeah. He's washed. Did you not know that? He's washed now. I, You know, uh, it, you know, it's funny. My guy, Josh, you know, my co-host on Hot Takes, uh, he, he put something up a couple of weeks, about about 10 days ago now, where it was, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the, the old, you know, they show the player, then they show the wiping of the glasses, and then they show the player again. So he basically compared LeBron after like one or two games to Wizards Jordan. Now he was joking, but the truth of the matter is there was that sentiment that was out there. Oh, you know, especially after that first game against the Clippers. Uh, it, it's good to see that, you know, while I don't anticipate him averaging a triple double the way he is, you know, he kind of is right now. It's good to see he still has that gear when he needs it. Well, while I don't think the triple double stuff is sustainable for him to be ready for the off season, we'll get on to LeBron, but He's been ridiculous. He's been next level, as is most of the team. And you know what? It's nice to be positive about the Lakers again, finally. It's nice to be able to talk about things instead of, like, things falling apart. Everything's going well for us right now. And let's just get on to the Bulls game. What are your reactions from it? My reactions, I mean, look, I it, funny enough, I was, uh, you know, uh, Randy Cruz, was kind enough to have me on a retro room last night, and we were talking about Shaq and Kobe, the you know, Shaq and Kobe era from start to finish. And uh, we actually we we actually started at you know you know just post Magic Johnson, and I'm I'm watching this you know the you know, looking at the box score in the background and you know trying not to be distracted, and they're down 15, they're down what 18, 19 points at one point. So when we wrapped up you know recording that podcast, I thought, well, all right, I'll, I'll check, I'll, I'll at least see what you know what, what the bench is gonna do. All of a sudden, they come out and they come roaring back. What it should, what, what my takeaway from that game, to be honest with you, is that not only do they have a, a legitimate and dependable bench, but it's a it's a bench unit that only looks like it's going to get stronger because specifically because of the defensive the defensive defensive efficiency that that entire unit you know displays. Oh, absolutely. And one Kyle Kuzma, while he was very rusty for three quarters, to say the least. Uh-huh. The fourth, he came alive. And you know what? I think this is the Kuzma that everyone thought that we'd see. The guy who just come on and be an instant scorer off 
off of the bench. And to what I'm going to give him a lot of credit. I thought defensively it was very solid last night. So I don't know what you thought from what you saw, but I thought it was very good. Honestly, it's kind of like what I was looking for last year from LeBron and didn't see. It's an effort thing with him. And not to mention the fact that he's not having they're not putting him out there at small ball five, as Luke tended to do last year for some reason, at least at the beginning. Uh, so he's not going, you know, he, he's not like mismatched uh, from a physical perspective. You know, he's, he's he's guarding threes and fours and some and some twos. And honestly, Kuzma, while he's probably never going to be a lockdown defender, he's a guy that's got the measurables to at least be a competent defender. And, and we're at least seeing that. And look, I, I, I applaud the effort. I appreciate it. I wasn't, uh, you know, like, you know, it's kind of like what I said at the, at the start you know, in terms of the overall offense. I wasn't shocked to see him struggle at the beginning, you know, like when he first came back. Uh, but now that he's got his footing, you know, no pun intended, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can, you know, what he can do. And if he can uh, live up to my, you know, potential six man uh, prediction from, you know, heading into the year that I actually got laughed at by uh, several folks. And I just want to give a big shout out to your guy, everyone's guy. Alex Caruso in the second half he was phenomenal just phenomenal look Caruso I said this last year that he was the best uh, point option that they had I still believe it now I don't have a problem with him splitting time I don't even have a problem with him going against twos like kind of like you know which I imagine we'll get to later on why I don't mind them leaving Dwight specifically in that second unit because I think it's I think it's a perfect mix and it's perfect for Dwight same thing with Caruso I don't have a problem with that I just hope that once Rondo does come back and, and I'm not I, I, I promise you I'm not going to make this the pile on Rondo you know, uh, show but I hope that once Rondo does come back that for, that Vogel and his staff doesn't automatically kind of take you know pull you know pull those minutes back because Caruso is showing that he's a disruptor you know beyond the sneaky athleticism and of course it's fun to see him you know get a dunk on somebody or get that and one like he did down the stretch I think it was against Levine last night uh but you know you know he, he brings it kind of all around yeah he, he, he's not incredible at any one thing but he provides effort all around at all times when he's in there so I I like I like the fact that he's been getting some minutes and earning it no absolutely and the biggest takeaway for me I don't know what you thought this team can win without one of Anthony Davis or LeBron James being MVP level, which I wasn't sure about. You know what I mean? Because there were the, these question marks, especially at the start of the season. And I'm not talking about the Clippers game. I just thought, you know, watching them a couple of times, I thought at least one of them needed to be at an MVP level and then one of them needs to be at a really good level. But obviously with the foul trouble that AD was in for the game, it was actually really positive to see that we, while I want Anthony Davis to put up 30 every night, don't get me wrong, it was actually really positive to see that we don't have to just solely rely on these guys as well. Yeah, not only that, you know, yes, of course, LeBron ends up getting a triple-double. He came in and, you know, kind of did, both of them came in and did kind of mop-up duty in the second half of the fourth. But beyond just, you know, AD being in foul trouble and kind of just being a little bit off, you know, yesterday, the fact that they were able to place both of them on the bench at the start of that fourth and if I'm not mistaken, they went on a 36 to four run, which is just unheard of. Like, if we're being honest, we haven't we and by we I'm talking about the Lakers. They haven't had runs like that in easily six, seven years, if not more. Uh, so the fact that they were able to not just maintain that high level of intensity, but really turn it on and just c- completely uh, erase what was, I think, a 13 point deficit heading, in, you know, heading into the fourth uh, and, and almost instantaneously take the lead. I, you know, honestly, I, I can't say enough about that unit. I really can't say enough about them. So I'm right there with you. I don't know what you think, but I think this is the best defensive team we've had 
since the 2000 Lakers? Oof. Let me see. I mean, 09 was you know, 09 was no you know uh, no joke no joke. Uh, it, look, I put it like this: it's the best defensive team we've uh, that the Lakers have had in quite some time. Whether it's 2009 or you know or or back in 2000 or 2001 or whatever. Uh, look, at the very least, it's great for the La- hey, it's great for the Lakers to be relevant again because I don't know <laughs> about you, I was tired of the jokes. I was tired of all that. And I recognize that non-Lakers fans will hear that and say, wow, look how spoiled you are. Well, yeah, you're darn right. We have been spoiled. (laughs) So at the very least, I'm just happy that they're in the mix. And quite frankly, if they stay healthy and if they, you know, we'll get into some of the stuff later on where, you know, continue to bolster this roster. I see no reason why they're not at least competing for a title this year. What of a takeaway apart from the AD stuff and, you know, not having to rely on both of them at the same time, is how quickly everything's clicking. And I just want to give a shout-out to Frank Vogel because I think Frank Vogel's been instrumental in this. I think, I said it to you, we did a podcast over the summer, I think Frank Vogel was the grown-up that we needed in the franchise. And I know there's been this Jason Kidd and, you know, Jason Kidd likes cropping Frank Vogel out of photos and stuff and kudos to him. You know, like if you're going to try and snake, at least he's doing it, obviously, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, doing it straight up. But Frank Vogel's been fantastic. The in-cutting yeah, no. adjustments he's made, the defensive schemes, the personnel, like he's not afraid to admit, not maybe verbally, but he's not afraid to show that he's made a mistake and then to change the in-game lineups, which I think from a coaching standpoint, anyway, is phenomenal because I know how difficult it is to admit when you make a mistake like that. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. It, as much of a Luke guy as, as I claim to be and as I am, you know, I want positive things for Luke. It has been night and day already. And that's saying something, because, again, you're only seven games in, so it would not have shocked me to see him kind of flip the roster, you know, flip the lineups and and play around with things early on, as as Luke tended to do throughout the entire season, like at least for the first 10 to 15 games. But you're exactly right. They've been making great adjustments, uh, in-game adjustments. When's the last time we saw those? Like, and, and, and I'm not, I mean, for real, when, can you remember the last time, at least over the last six, seven years, where we, you know, where the Lakers ended up with multiple positive and quality in-game adjustments and strategy adjustments when we had mike d'antoni when we had all the random dudes on the team <laughs> a little bit yeah yeah you, yeah you got you got some of it there but it's been a minute since it's been in, you know, anywhere near consistent and absolutely you know, you're exactly right vogel and his entire staff including you know uh, little finger jason kidd uh they, they they deserve credit for this no and you can obviously see even phil handy he has such a huge influence on the players and stuff and even I think I think Lionel Hollins I feel I feel like even if he's not contributing a lot which I don't I doubt that he's not but even if he's not I feel like players respect him because of what he did with the Grizzlies and stuff like that Do you know what I mean I feel like that is also another respected voice and I feel like he's gonna be on Frank Vogel's side as well. Yeah, yeah. You, you, what one thing I will say beyond you know beyond just centering that you know uh, that conversation on Luke as an entire staff. This is the best staff that I've seen in a, in a while, like top to bottom. Like as you just mentioned it, they you know they respect the Lionel Hollins, what he's done as a coach, but also you know the fact that look he yeah, he's a former player. They regardless of how the timeline or how we may feel about Jason Kidd, they respect Jason Kidd. They they just read that you know they 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 some of them competed against him, but most of them, if not all of them, 
you know appreciated and watched his incredible career uh, as you know as he was a player. They respect Phil, you know Phil Handy. He, you can see, you can already see the work that he's done with Kuzma and some of those and, and some of those other uh, younger upcoming guys. You can already tell. So yeah, no, this this the Lakers really honestly outside of eventual health. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to put extras on it. I'm trying to put, you know, you know, height, height, you know, heighten the expectations even more than what they should. But like I said, I honestly don't think they have any excuse to, other than to compete because this is a very complete team that's not done. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's the scary thing as well. Like, and when they say not done, I'll get on it later. But I feel like Rob Palinka needs to get his Bible verses out for the Jehovah's Witnesses, if you get what I mean. (laughs) <laughs> but moving on from the Bulls game I want to talk about a certain 17 year old a 17 year vet that we have yeah. in our roster LeBron James is it crazy to say he's the front runner for, for the MVP right now and it's not close I know we're only 7 games in and I know it's really early to say stuff like this but at the same time apart from that one game I don't feel like anyone's been close to him at all on any level I, I think Giannis is in the same conversation, uh, to be honest with you. But yes, it, it 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 feels crazy for LeBron to be in that discussion because to I personally thought that he would kind of like ease his way into the mix, allowing the you know like the offense to and as well as just the general flow to go through Anthony Davis, which he has you know to his credit. But you can tell over these last three four games. He's, you know, he's pressed it to another level on both ends. And it's a great thing to see. Like, I, you know, like I said, uh, you know, like, like I answered you know, uh, to your first question, it's wonderful to see. Because, again, while the Washed King thing is a little bit overstated, there were questions at the very least of will he ever be able to, you know, you know press down on the gas and go to that level. And it's great to see. I don't, I don't even think it was overstated. I know. I know. We got we we talked about these talking head shows, but yeah. like Max Kellerman was openly saying that LeBron's done and he's hit the cliff and it's there like after one game against the Clippers. I don't know about you, I'll, I'll tangent it a little bit. But All after right. that one game, the biggest thing I saw, I, I think I messaged you this as well. I don't even think it was a physical thing I saw against the Clips. I think it was more of a decision-making thing with LeBron. I think he was trying to test out how much he could work as a point guard and a specific type of point guard in that game anyway. I don't know what you think, but after seeing the way he's played the last six games, I just even more think that now. I definitely saw it. You know, saw him you know, kind of like feeling his way out, feeling his way through it. There were, look, I'm, I'm more in the middle on that. There were some concerns, you know, with the Kawhi matchup that, quite frankly, I don't expect him to get the better of that matchup on, you know, every single time down, given, you know, where Kawhi is, you know, load management or not, uh, you know, in terms of where he is in his career compared to, you know, where LeBron is in his career. But I'll say this. I'll feel an awful lot better about it uh, after the Christmas Day game because I think LeBron will come out that, like, doesn't matter what he does, you know, in the, in the week leading up or whatever, even the week after, I think LeBron will come out. Uh, in, in order to prove a point in that game, and I'm looking forward to seeing if he if he really has that gear against, quite frankly, the best perimeter defender in the league. A hundred percent. Like uh, whatever you want to say about Kawhi Leonard, he's almost certainly in the top two players in the world, in my opinion. Him or LeBron. I mean, you can't go wrong with either. You know what I mean? Like. No, the, I mean the guy. The guy is absurd. You, you look. We we talked a little bit about it. Uh, you know, uh, b- b- before the show, 
Of course, we all wanted Kawhi, but part of me is actually grateful. And I'm not saying not saying it just because it ended up this way. But even though, admittedly, leading up, I wanted him to go to the Lakers. I'm grateful that he didn't because, honestly, it would not have been a conversation. The league would not have been fun, especially coming off of the five years, of, five six years of domination, you know, from Golden State. So, I you know, look. I know a lot of Lakers fans don't like talking about it being a rivalry. I embrace it. I want it to be a rivalry. I want the Clippers to be relevant, and I want the Lakers. Of course, I want the Lakers to come out on top, but I want them to put. I want them to be pushed, and I want. Yeah, I, I'm really hoping that we get we get a Western Conference Final showdown between those two teams. No, hundred percent. I think it's probably the best possible matchup that we can have as a viewer, anyways, especially as a neutral. Seeing that game, seeing that series would be phenomenal. It it, it would be. I think it would parallel the Lakers-Kings matchups in the early 2000s, which people forget about because of the Kings' irrelevance the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Those matchups were phenomenal as well, weren't they? Like they, they, they were, you know, honestly, between Lakers-Kings and Lakers-Blazers a little bit before that, you know, there, there weren't, you know, there weren't, there probably weren't any other better matchups at, you know, during that time period. I really, really hope that we get that level, you know, that level of competition for at least the next couple of years. You did mention defense. So I will ask you about it. How phenomenal has LeBron been defensively? I've, I've been in awe at times. The fact that he at 30, almost 35 years old, 17 years in the NBA, Puts his body on the line every single time for a charge. I've got 18 year olds that don't want to do that for the team that I coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the stakes aren't quite as high for them, you know, maybe. But no, honestly, that's the side of the court that I did not think he, you know, he could rebound from because, quite frankly, last year he was atrocious on that side. Yes, the, you know, the 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 team and the players around him that you know that matters. All of a sudden, you got Anthony Davis behind you. You can press up a little bit more. All of a sudden, you got Danny Green chasing, you know, chasing around the, the whatever the best perimeter option is on the other team. You you you, you can really put forth that effort. But it's a testament to him. He he's clearly in you know as good a shape as a 34 year old, you know, 34 35 year old with that many miles on his body can possibly be. Uh, you know, I'll knock on wood and and really hope that he can stay healthy. Uh, so that he can kind of pick and choose when to do that over the course of the long season, uh, leading in, you know, so that he's ready and 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 fully healthy, you know, going into the postseason. But no, it's absolutely it's it's wonderful to see. Like, look, last year it was bad. Part of that was the you know was the team around him. Part of it was effort. This year, there's no questions whatsoever. He's given the effort. He's got the he's got the you know the strong supporting cast, and we're and, and honestly we're we're seeing we're we're seeing what it amount what it's amounted to. If I'm not mistaken, they're the number one defensive you know number one defensive team in terms of def- uh, of efficiency at the very least, and in several other categories. I know they're quite you know they're up towards the top. I don't have the numbers in front of me. No, absolutely. And the biggest thing I've noticed with LeBron is he's load managing in games. Uh, yep. Which he's, I know he's always done, but he's doing it in a way that he'll, like I've texted you plenty of times during games, as you've seen. It's just like he, he plays at 25% for three quarters. I'm not even being like, I'm not hyperbolizing there. I legitimately think he's that. And then when it comes time to kill the game, he just ramps it up like three extra levels. And he's there like, you're ridiculous. At 34 years old, the fact that you can do this is a testament just to how good he is. And whether he wins the MVP or not, is it doesn't matter in my opinion. The fact that he's even in the conversation, even at this point, 
just shows the greatness of the man, if you ask me. Look, I said this during the summer. I'll say it right now. Anthony Davis, is at this stage of his career, is the best player all around that LeBron has ever played with. You know, And that's not taking anything away from LeBron, but having Anthony Davis on both sides is a really nice luxury for LeBron to have. Um, maybe at the you know, you know what we were seeing in terms of feeling out in that in that first game was just LeBron looking at you know, looking at what he had and just fi- literally just figuring it out on the go, which I can appreciate because since then you know there's been there's been absolutely no question whatsoever. And uh, yeah, I, I I I give LeBron credit, but. I, I will state a lot of this has to do with the fact that it, 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 it isn't a bad thing to have an Anthony Davis just lying around, you know, just, just, I was going to say just for S and giggles, but you know what I mean? <laughs> no, definitely. Well, the thing is though, how crazy is it that we've been talking for basically 21 minutes on the podcast and we've not really touched on Anthony Davis. This dude's a top five NBA player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it it's, it's one of those things where I could still see Anthony Davis playing his way into the MVP conversation, but at the very least, I do think Anthony Davis is going to be your defensive player of the year. Like it, it, it's absurd the level of impact that he has, and I know the next, you know, you've, you've got a defensive question about him coming up, uh, so you know, so I won't go overboard with it, but it's absurd, you know, just how incredible he is on that court. Whether it's you know, you know, defending his man straight up. Picking up, you know, picking up a wing on a on a on a pick and roll in a pick and roll situation. Coming, you know, coming back and helping as a weak side defender. He's literally everywhere out there. And I know NBA fans, especially casual fans, we don't always appreciate the defensive end. But do yourself a favor, listeners. Take a look at that side of the court and look at his activity. Look at you know you know look at the connectivity when you know, when he's out there. You know the way that he communicates with others, the way he backs his teammates up. It's absolutely something to marvel over. It's not close. I don't know what you think. We'll get onto the extra parts about his defensive work, but I don't think it's close right now. The defensive player of the year is Anthony Davis, and it's not, and it's by a huge margin. I mean, you know, there's going by the end of it, there'll be others, of course, in the conversation. Like Gobert's always going to be there, especially if he stays healthy. Uh, Giannis is always going to be there. You're moving forward, specifically because of how diverse he is and how versatile he is. But I agree with you in this one. I think Anthony Davis is head and shoulders, uh, you know, above everybody, at least out of the gates from a defensive perspective. And the worst thing is with AD, even offensively and defensively, I think he's still got a lot of room to grow. Yeah, no, and, and that's what's crazy about it. He look, he hasn't looked comfortable yet. That forty twenty game, that was nice. But in terms of like really truly looking comfortable on the offensive side, I think that I I honestly think that's going to get better over the course of the season. Once he you know finds his spots a little bit better, once you know once he recognizes where you know where his outlets will be, you know when a double team comes or even a triple team comes, uh, you know, and on the defensive end, like truly the sky's the limit. The guy they. You know how we, uh, you know, almost hyperbolically will say like, oh, he can guard one through five. Well, in a lot of situations, yeah, Anthony Davis really, truly can guard one through five. It's crazy. Also, yeah. can we just add in about Anthony Davis? He's not leaving the Lakers anytime soon. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I saw that stuff being talked about. And while, look, I will always leave the door open for anything being possible. I, gen- I, I honestly don't think you go through what he went through last year and leading into this year 
in order to just stay one year. I mean, when I say the you know the wheels would have to come completely off, they would have to just totally fall off and t- and fall on their faces for like in my estimation for him to even consider it. And he, and, and quite frankly, if, if he were to leave, it's not going to be for Chicago right now. That's no. not going to happen. Too fair if he leaves. I don't think. I think even if he wants to leave, like I'm just saying this in a hypothetical circumstance, no great team really has cap space to sign him. So, And I know that's not really an issue, as we saw with Jimmy Butler and the Heat, which we'll get on to because they are our next opponent. But I don't think that anywhere is plausible right now for him to go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't honestly, I just don't see it happening. It, it, it's it's uh, It's kind of a non-starter. Uh, again, like unless things just totally fell apart to the point and to the point where you've got like, you know, LeBron and AD in the locker room fighting one another, which, again, it's just not going to happen. Uh, I, I just don't see a reason why you know it, it's even a topic of conversation. I know, you know, I, I get it from a content you know, side of things, you know, talk radio. There's, that, that's going to happen. But, yeah, it, it's kind of like, yeah, nothing to see here. Well, he shut it down, didn't he? It was like, yeah, they'll be all right. They have a decent young team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got to be. Look, it's his hometown team. They got, you know, they caught him at a, at a, at a, you know, at an event where, you know, he's probably not necessarily prepared to answer that, you know, those specific questions. The guy throws it out there. I give him credit for, you know, you know, for trying to be kind about it. But yeah, you're right. He kind of slammed that. He really slammed the door home today and made it clear, like, no, that that's not the case. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's move on from Anthony Davis in the singular. Let's talk about him and Dwight Howard. I have personally seen in the past few years a really good amount of good defensive front courts. So even if you want to put Draymond and KD in there, you know, just name whoever you want. I don't think I've seen a defensive front court with this much impact and this type of versatility as well. Because I feel like Dwight Howard's versatility has not been mentioned a lot as well. I think Dwight Howard's been phenomenal. I think long may it continue. I'm really happy for the dude on a personal level because I feel yes. like he seems like a good guy. I feel like on top of everything else, I feel like he's very misunderstood by a lot of people. And I feel like he was the easy guy to pick. And obviously we hated him as Laker fans, we, but we hated the decision we made. I don't think we ever hated the person. You know what I mean? And But I say all that to say this. Do you think it's potentially one of the best defensive front courts we've seen in a long time? Definitely in a long time, but I, you know, I just I, I I need to be honest and upfront about this about with Dwight. A lot of the vitriol was actually warranted because he was he would say and do silly things. But the truth of the matter is, I have been absolutely astounded by this. You you know, we talked about this. I didn't want any parts of him when they, you know when they had Boogie. I didn't <laughs> want any parts of him because I did not think the risk was worth it. But he's been perfect. He's fulfilled the role perfectly. He's done exactly what is expected of him and every single thing that could have been asked. Uh, you know, to your question, it reminds me of the Admiral and Duncan when they, you know, that 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 last couple years, you know, obviously the you know the couple years that they played together, that's the type of defensive front court, that's the type of impact I think they have. You're right. It's a it's a rare it's a very rare thing when you've got a four or five 
that can, you know, that, you know, that, that can both, you know, you know, uh, defend the rim, both rebound, you know, exceptionally well, both are, are, are just naturally instinctual, you know, like on the defensive end. Now, Dwight's not what he used to be when he was a four-time defensive player of the year, but those instincts don't go away. He may not have that second jump or the, quite the bounce that he once had, but all of the principles are still there. So it, yeah, that has been one of the more impressive things as well. And just for a disclaimer to all the listeners out there, Jabari can is my witness to this. I was the first person on the Howard High, first person. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> I, like like I said, it, it was it was nothing personal about the guy. It was just more of like, no, he's a he's a jack egg. You know what I'm saying? He's a he's a donkey, and he had been. But he had been. You're right. But at the, but that's a that's even more of a testament to this turnaround. No, absolutely, and and I feel like injuries played a big part the last couple of years in Dwight's play. I feel yeah. like that and you can see that he's looking a lot le- like respect to the guy. He really realized this is his last chance in the NBA, and he's taking it with both arms. And I feel like he's found a home now where he's truly happy, and I feel like he's happy with himself finally after a long while. And I feel like once he's truly happy with himself, I feel like that will help him a lot as well. And to be honest, the fact that we're having even like debating like them being like potentially one of the best front courts defensively of like in a long while is ludicrous. Imagine someone telling you five years ago <laughs> that Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard would be the starting, <laughs> not the starting, but the main four-five combo for the LA Lakers with LeBron James playing at the three. Yeah, with, with Rondo, you know, we were waiting on Rondo to come in. Yeah, five years ago, I never would have imagined this. I never would have imagined this. And quite frankly, I, I, I would I would have called you a liar. I would have been like, yeah, right, stop. First of all, Dwight's not even going to be in the league. That's what I would have thought. Not because he didn't, he couldn't still play, but simply because I didn't think his body was going to hold up, given that he, you know, his, his, his season was cut short at, le- at least three of the last five years. No, absolutely. Absolutely, man. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm actually defensively. I think if you just look at every single position, I feel like we have at least one to two good players at every single position defensively. I feel like if you look at the point guard, quote unquote, if you want to class Avery Bradley as a guy who guards ones, you have Bradley and Caruso. At the two, you have Danny Green and the much maligned. I, I, I think he's gets. I, I. You know, I've had my personal battles with what I believe about KCP. <laughs> but I feel like he's been a lot better the past couple of games. A lot better. The problem is, though, when he makes a mistake, it's so blatant and in your face. You can't help but, like, concentrate on it. Do you know what I mean? He's a boomer bust guy. He absolutely. he absolutely is a boomer bust guy. He's that guy that he's giving you effort. And that's the thing. That's the part that I actually feel sorry for him, you know, when he's making mistakes. Because it's not like he's it's not like he's like doing like lazy stuff. Or no, it's because he just gets he gets ahead of his skis a little bit at times. Um I, I don't want him to be a playmaker, but if he could just be a dis you know, play this exact role again, be a disruptor, be a disruptive force on the defensive end, be a catch and shoot guy. Not a guy that you know that that's looking to play make and 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 generate a lot of offense beyond you know, you know catching and shooting. I think I, there's absolutely nothing wrong with KCP. Is he going to continue to be the punching bag you know for the fan base? Probably yes. because 
you, you know, every fan base, they choose that one guy or a couple guys that for whatever reason, there's something about him that just, you know, just bugs them. And you know what? If he if he continues to play, but, you know, but to your point, if he continues to play the way he's played over the last few games, I think a lot of that will even die down because outside of those first couple games, he hasn't been nearly as bad as the timeline would, you know, would have you have you believe. Well, I feel like even in the Clippers game, I feel like the fact that Kawhi went off on him wasn't his fault. I feel like that was a mistake on the coaching staff. While we praised yeah. him, that was also a mistake, having a guy as small as KCP guard Kawhi, which we it's, saw when Anthony Davis guarded him two, three times. It's ex- you're exactly right. That was a that was a tactical mistake. And I was you saw me, I was ranting about it on the timeline while it was going on. Like, why would you put KCP? First of all, I, I like KCP, but I, I don't believe that he's a, a, an inch taller than six foot two, maybe six foot three. I know he's listed at like six three, six four, or whatever. I don't believe that. It's not fair to put him on Kawhi. It's not fair to put to have him as the guy that you're going to determine that you're that you're going to put on all of your the, the bigger or you know you know really big bodied wings. That's that, that in my estimation isn't a sound strategy. I know to a certain degree you kind of have to go with what you got and it, and it's game one, so I don't I'm not going to you know bury them for trying it out. But once it was evident that it that it was not working, I wish that they had tried something different because yeah, that was just a bad that was just a bad matchup and a bad situation for for, you know, for KCP. Oh, definitely. And let's get on to the next couple of games that we got. We got Miami on Friday and Toronto on Sunday. Now with Miami, Miami have been if if you didn't pay attention to them in preseason, they're a surprise team for a lot of people. Pat Riley's done it again where he's got a really good player to join and he's got I think he's got a bunch of really good role players and some really emerging young talent as well which is a testament to the Heat organization, who I've always rated really highly. I've always believed they're a phenomenal organization, and Pat Riley's the head of it, so he deserves a lot of the credit. And I feel like Eric Spolstra deserves a lot of credit as well, who's one of the most underrated coaches, I think, ever. Yeah, and, and, and part of that's because uh, yeah, any time a coach comes in, whether they're a young and proven coach or even a veteran coach, and they have the amount of talent that they had during that Heatles run, they're not going to get the credit that they you know fully deserve. When in reality, you know, look, there's been a lot of guys that have had a lot of talent on their on their team and not been able to do anything with it. It it's an absolute skill to to not only be able to coach superstars but wrangle them in a way where you don't lose them. And yes, there were some touch and go times, you know, during the, you know, during that run, but that's going to have, especially in that first year, you know, and I'm, and I'm speaking of the Heatles era, but that's going to happen. He, you know, it's a testament to him that he was able to pull it together. And, and I, and, and what he's shown over these last several years, where even without top, top line talent, they've at least been in the conversation. They've at least been competitive. They've at least been a team or a game on the schedule where you go, okay, hey, we got the, we got the heat this week. You know, so you know, so you know, we can't just keep, we can't just automatically can't you know, count that as a win. I like what they've done with this roster heading into the year. I saw them as a playoff team. I didn't necessarily see them as as a contender at coming out of the East, but they they may be a player away with continued development of Tyler, you know, like of, of Hero and uh, you know Kendrick Nunn and, and 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 Myers Leonard and some of those guys. They're only a player away from leg- you know being a legitimate threat in the East to the you know to the rest of the East. Well, I've got two hot takes for you. I know it's not right. the hot takes and shot fakes, but I be- <laughs> I believe this since I watched them in the preseason. My brother's a big Heat fan, so I keep on track of the Heat as well. Yeah. So hot take number one: 
Eric Spolstra is what Celtics Twitter think Brad Stevens is. I don't think that's a hot take, but people will be surprised to hear that. And hot take number two, the Heat are a legit competitor in the East. And I'm so much for saying I think they'll probably make the Eastern Conference Finals from what I've seen. As currently constituted. Okay. I mean, look. So wait, so do you have them taking out Milwaukee or Milwaukee. Philly in the semifinals? Milwaukee, I think I think uh-huh. Philly, I think Philly's very good. I feel like yeah. Philly's the only team from Milwaukee. The defense, I know they're five and two at the moment, and Giannis is playing phenomenally. Giannis is a monster. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like Milwaukee's taking a step back, not having Malcolm Brogdon anymore. I feel yes. like teams realize that now, and they guard Eric Bledsoe very differently now which doesn't help. I feel like Giannis is developing a three-point shot, as we've seen. Like mm-hmm. he's, It's getting better, but it's still not at the level where he can punish teams in my... I don't know what you think. Yeah, yeah I know you love Giannis as well, but um, I don't I don't think it's at the level yet where he can punish teams for sagging off him completely. He's not, he's, he's not complete yet. You know, what was he, 22, 23? It, it, it's amazing where, you know, where he's gotten from when he came in. But he's not, you're right. He's not complete yet, and there are teams can still sag off at, at times. What I would like to see over the course of the season is whether that develops, whether he continues to develop that, whether he continues to grow, you know, grow comfortable, you know, in the mid range and all, you know, like from the mid range all the way, you know, back to the three point line. Um, we saw a little bit of it last year, but not enough, you know, like, you know when when they really needed it. Uh, I guess I'll say this: I agree with you that about the Brogdon thing. I think that was just an absolute all out mistake. Uh, you know, no slight, no, no, no shade to Eric Bledsoe because I'm always in favor of guys getting paid. But I think if you if you uh, set them up with a, you know the, the the powers that be in Milwaukee up with a lie detector test and ask them if they you know would have preferred to maybe not pay Eric Bledsoe you know uh, down the stretch of last year and save that money for Brogdon, not I think 10 out of 10 that they're going to come up be, if they're being honest that they that they wish they still had Brogdon, but. Again, they might not be done with their roster either. So, look, I don't want to say that I don't think Miami can get them. I'll just wait and see, you know, like, you know, how both teams continue to develop. But but part of me still thinks Milwaukee would have enough in that series. Well, I do think Pat Riley has something up his sleeve because it's Pat (laughs) Riley. Yeah, look, look, a lot. Look, a lot of these teams, what, you know, what I really appreciate is that a lot of teams – they may not have been able to compete with Golden State at, at at its heights. You know what I mean? But they kind of stayed ready. They stayed like lying in wait. Pat Riley, you know, you, to, you know, to his credit, and you know, as 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 you praise him uh, in the lead in with the question, he's always done a good job of figuring out a way. I'm also glad, for the record, as much as I was opining for it over the course of the summer. I'm glad they didn't wind up with CP3, and this is not a it's nothing personal against CP3, but I don't necessarily know that Jimmy and CP3 you know would have worked, and I also don't necessarily know that if CP3 were there, that some of these younger guys would be able to be the focal points and the, and the focus of the offense you know quite as much. Namely Kendrick Nunn, who's been phenomenal. Yes. yes. You know what? I don't think that he should be classed as a rookie. It's just my thing where if you're drafted in a certain year, regardless of whether you're injured or not, you've had a year in and around the NBA, if you know what I mean. And yeah. But 
I think, especially with the Zion injury, I think because he is classed as a rookie, I feel like he's the front runner for rookie of the year right now as well. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably, especially if 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 he continues with you know with the productivity and continues to get better, uh, especially the second time around when teams see him for a second time, or you know you're on the you know the second part of the season where teams have film on you. Uh, I think he'll be in that conversation. I think John Morant will be in that conversation. Uh, even though Zion's out, you know, what the first, you know, five six weeks of the season, you know, that's not too, that's not too much for him to you know to be able to play his way back into that conversation. But you're right, none and and look, none's you know, none's teammate hero. He may even you know you know be in that He's conversation right as well. So yeah, no, the, like Miami has done a good job of you know in you know, uh, you know bringing in young talent to support the older talent. As, as we you know, with everything in the middle as well, like, you know that that's a that is a that is a quality roster. Is it is it uh, barring the Clippers game? I think this is the toughest match we've had so far. Toughest matchup, definitely. I yes. feel like the only thing that lets them down is, but it lets down twenty nine other NBA teams. So it's not fair to say lets them down. Is yeah. I still don't think I don't think anyone has a matchup for Anthony Davis in the entire NBA. And that's not even being like, I thought that when he played in the Pelicans, though, as well. I feel like Anthony Davis is just that good. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, whether he plays the four or five, to be honest with you, I like him at the five. But at the same time, you know, I also like him, you know, sliding over. And uh, when when Dwight, you know, excuse me, when Dwight's, you know, paired up with him, uh, there really isn't a matchup for him. Fours are, are usually going to be too small. Fives are going to be too slow. None of them are going to be as, you know, generally as quick as him, uh, you know, you know uh, especially from a one-on-one perspective. Anthony Davis is a problem, man. He's a problem, and he hasn't even gotten going yet. Oh, honestly, I can't wait for his first 40-20 game where he's shot like 70% from the field like he used to do in the Pelicans. It'll come. Uh, and, and I think, just going back to Davis to touch on it, I forgot to say, I don't know if you listened to my podcast with, Pete Sayers, who's phenomenal. Yep. Um, when I said, I think he's trying too hard. I think he is. I think he's trying really hard to impress. And I feel like as soon as that subsides, which I think will take 10 to 15 games of the regular season, as soon as that subsides, I feel like we'll see a different Anthony Davis. Because, like, like I don't know if you saw in the second half of the fourth quarter last night when he came in, he just looked a bit more relaxed that we had a lead, if you know what I mean. Even his shot looks better. Just looks a lot smoother. Well, if you think about it, and, and to your point, this is the first time he's been on the big stage. I recognize he was a big fish in a small pond in in, uh, in New Orleans, and you know he had that you know that one run in the, in the postseason uh, that was impressive. You know, obviously, you know, alongside Rondo, alongside Drew Holiday, uh, and, and and that was nice. But all of a sudden, you're in you're in prime time. You're in what forty almost forty nationally televised games. You got LeBron James, a guy that you came up watching. Came up appreciating, probably you know whether you came up idolizing or not, but really appreciating his game, telling you you're the man. This is going to be your team. We're going to run this offense through you. So it doesn't surprise me that he that there are especially there have been stretches where I agree he, he's looked like he's in, he's been pressing. But I also agree with you that give him some time to get his feet underneath him. Get yeah, find, like I said, find his spots. Uh, you know, you know, get into his rhythm. Uh, you know. Uh, his teammates actually learn how to play off of him even better and, 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 and get and get to spots where he needs him to be. I don't think we're going to be even happy. I, 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 it's going to be nasty, man. Like at six and one, this has been nice. But when this team really gets rolling, 
about 15 games from a 10 to 15 games from now, if they really get rolling, they stay healthy and they stay playing the type of, you know, the type of, uh, you know, uh, with the type of defensive intensity that they, you know, that they've shown it, it, over large stretches, this team might be real nasty, man. Um, and to touch on the last point so far, there's chances of a title, even if we don't add anyone, which I don't think won't ha- will happen. I think we'll definitely add some more pieces, whether it be trade or buyout, we'll get onto that. But I feel like even if we just natural progression, this team just improving on itself. I feel like even I feel I'm with the Clippers. The only thing I'm worried about with the Clippers is Paul George's double shoulder surgery. And that's not me shooting fire at the Clippers because I still think they'll be great. Even without Paul George, I think they'd be a title contender. But if Paul George is even slightly hurt by if he's not close to what he was last year. I feel like that's, don't get me wrong, he's still poor George. He's still a very good player. Like, you know, he's still top 15 in the NBA. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to disparage the, gen- the guy whatsoever, but if he isn't at the MVP level that he was last year with Russell Westbrook, I feel like that's a problem for the Clippers. I don't know what you think, but I feel like that is a problem for them. Well, not only that, even if he does come back and, and, and he's and he's physically sound and he's ready to go, they're going to have to make adjustments. They're going to have to learn to play together. Like, and that's the thing. Like, guys that want to come together, that's cool. Then you got to figure out how to actually do it. I mean, look, Paul George played with Russell Westbrook, so that, you know, so I it, it, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that he'll be able to figure it out. But Given the way that Kawhi plays, I do think that there, you know, there may be some growing pains at least early on as they, you know, as as they figure out their flow together. Uh, look, from a health perspective, you got one guy, you know, being load managed out of necessity. You got another guy coming off of, you know, d- you know, double shoulder surgery. So of course the Clippers, there are some concerns there. But you know, much much like with the Lakers, if they're healthy, you know, down the stretch, they're going to be formidable. This Lakers team, if they're healthy down the stretch, they're going to be formidable. As is both both of them, as you know, as they currently you know, are, are constituted. But like you said, I don't think either one of them are done. Well, with the Lakers, I feel like there's one addition that I'm almost certain will happen, and that's and I feel like you feel the same way as well now with Andre Iguodala. It feels that way. It certainly feels that way. Like, look, I put it like this: if he gets bought out, I I would now be surprised if he didn't choose the Lakers. You know, sometimes when there's a when there's so much smoke out there, it, you know, there actually is a fire. That would be, you know, that would be surprising to me. Like, and, you know, at the same time, if he chose somewhere other than the Clippers, it would be surprising to me because for for whatever reason, it feels like he want he wants one more run at it. Like he, I, I like, you know, people were saying like, oh, he might go to Houston because he, that's a cute story, but I don't see why he would do that. They, you know, there are far less guarantees with that mix than within either of the L.A. teams. I would love to see it. I would absolutely love to see it with the Lakers. I don't know if you saw David Aldridge's reporting today on, I don't know whether it was a report or, I saw the quotes anyway on Twitter. Um, so he's talked to various different executives around the league, and he asked everyone, like, where they think Iguodala will end up eventually. And every single one of them said the Lakers. Which, as you know, executives around the NBA, they have the best pull somewhere people will end up because they hear stuff that we can only dream about hearing, you know. So the fact that these reports are coming out, I feel like is really 
you know, helpful for the Lakers. And if we can get Iguodala, who defensively might not help in the regular season. And to be honest, I don't want him to help in the, excuse me, in the regular season. If we can avoid having Andre Iguodala playing huge minutes, but enough to get himself ready for the playoffs, and we just get him to be like, like what they do in Major League Baseball, where they get rentals in for the last half, for the stretch run, and we get Iguodala in as our rental, and he potentially sways the championship our way, it will be phenomenal. You know, I, something that I just realized that I did not, I didn't know that I thought this way, but when you said that, I was like, you know what? As much as I was, you know, sitting there saying, hey, you know, free Iggy, let him go, it's I, it's probably a better thing. Let him, you know, let, 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 him, let him sit out another 20 or so games, even 30 or so games, and come back for that second half push, you know, slowly work his, you know, work his way into the type of shape that he's going to need to be, uh, you know, heading, heading into a postseason run. That, you know, honestly, I, I don't know why I, I hadn't even thought about that. Yes, I, I'm all in favor of that taking place. Because eventually, let's be honest, they're going to buy him out. It's a bad look, and it's from a business aspect, and it's what I touched on with Coach Pete, and it's that thing where, I feel like because he is the vice president of the NBA PA, I feel like if they don't buy him out, I feel like that's such a bad look for the Grizzlies, for potential free agents in the future. If you're mistreating the vice president of the NBA PA, who won't you mistreat? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, you're probably right about that. Uh, Look, guys will talk. Guys, you know, so – there are certain organizations that, for whatever reason, it's funny. You know, like I, I, I've, I've discussed this with Josh. You know, not to keep going back to him, uh, but about his Mavericks, and we always have this kind of conversation on the side of why is it that they don't get, you know, you know, certain free agents? Like they don't, they don't, they don't get any top line free agents. They just don't, for whatever reason. Um, and 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 I honestly think that while we may have an opinion about what something looks like from the outside, in, you know, you know, outside in, guys around the league will talk. And, you know, no one's going to, you know, no one's going to strike or, you know, walk out on Iggy's behalf, but it could sway somebody's decision making. And Memphis, to their credit, they have to know that they, you know, know, to a certain degree, they have to save face and at the very least play this out a little bit and see if they can, because they already got a pick, you know, in in the deal. But but honestly, it's good business of, of, you know, for them to play it out, see if they get somebody that's desperate. See if they get a Lakers team that's desperate in particular, and maybe they can squeeze another pick out of it. So I, I get it, but you know I agree with you. I do think that eventually it's ultimately going to be a bad look, and they're going to have to do something with it. Well, speaking of Iguodala and the buyout situation, is there any other names that you could potentially look for? Who are even potential free agents? Coughs Darren Collison, coughs even harder. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you had me at Darren Collison because, to be honest with you, I think they need another wing. They need. I, I'd rather it be a bigger wing, uh, you know, someone bigger than, like, say, someone like Collinson or someone like Dragic. But of course, I would still take either one of them if they are able to. If they were able to somehow get, you know, whether it's signing Darren Collinson off the street or you know acquiring or you know you know acquiring via buyout with the Dragic situation. Uh, me personally, I would I would prefer like a Cephalosha type guy. I'm not talking about Cephalosha in particular, but somebody that can still be a three and D guy because I think that is what this team will ultimately need in a postseason series. Where, you know, whether you're matching up with uh, Houston or you're matching up with Portland or or eventually matching up with the Clippers, you're going to need one more wing defender. Are you sure you don't want Jamal Crawford or Carmelo Anthony? 
I, I love Jamal Crawford, so the, I have nothing, you know, the, you know, it's nothing personal, but he's not, you know, and same thing with Melo. You, you look, I'm a Melo stan. I, I admit it. <laughs> I, I, get, I get razzed for it on, on, on our show all the time. But he, you know, neither one of those guys are what they absolutely need. Like if they need just a guy with scoring punch, just a guy off the bench with scoring punch, well then, yeah, you consider those guys. But honestly, while the offense isn't looking great right now, I think they're still going to need, you know, still going to need reinforcements on the defensive end. So that I, I, I honestly, I, I would prefer that that be the focus. And don't get me wrong, I think Jamal Crawford. If you know anything about Jamal Crawford, he's one of the nicest guys who's ever played in the NBA. He's one yeah. of the most, he's one of the smartest guys who ever played in the NBA. When you listen to him talk as well, I think he's phenomenal on that side. I really do. Uh-huh. And you know, it's a testament. I. But it's that thing where, like, Jared Dudley, who I believe at this point is better than both Jamal Crawford and Kamal Anthony as a player, not maybe as a scorer. I don't know if you agree with me on that. He's not even getting a he's not even getting a look anymore in this Laker rotation. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Look, you already have Troy Daniels. Like, and 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 I and I mean no disrespect to Troy Daniels. I mean no disrespect to Jared Dudley. I mean no disrespect to either of those two guys. If it's just a matter of having a shooter. You already got you already got a couple guys over there that, that aren't currently in the in in the exact rotation, or are exactly. or, or, or over the course of the season may be in the rotation less and less. Uh, again, no disrespect to those two guys because I do personally hope that both of them wind up on a roster this year. I feel a little bit for whatever reason I feel a little bit more optimistic about Jamal Crawford than I do about Melo because for whatever reason I think the league has just said you know that'll be enough you know when it comes to Melo, uh, but I don't necessarily anticipate it being in Los Angeles. No, I agree. Let's just end it on this. Prediction for the next two games. Do you think we carry on the winning streak, or do you think it ends in one of these two? Eight and one, baby. (laughs) (laughs) There's analysis for you. There's some fan analysis. But no, honestly, you you come back home, you're feeling good. You got those three on the road. Uh, it's it's a real test on a Friday night in a you know kind of a marquee matchup. LeBron's old team, an up and coming team, a team that you know it looks good. I I think you'll get a good a good effort from them. And in Toronto, look, I'm really I, I'm really interested to see what they do against Toronto because this will be this will be another test. Siakam puts the type of pressure on you in a different way that Kawhi did in that first game. So really, this is a great test. These next couple games, Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, you know, being able to defend Kendrick Nunn, being able to stay in front of Hero, uh, and then obviously, you know, with, with what Toronto brings with that backcourt of obvious, you know, of 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 having guys, you know, like um, why am I drawing a blank on my man's name, Kyle Lowry? You know, having you know, having the old Fred Van Vliet, having Siakam, having OG Ananobi, having a lot of those guys out. It, it, this will be a really good test, but ultimately, two and zero, Lakers will be eight and one, lead going into next week. And the biggest thing we didn't touch, we barely touched on Toronto, but I feel like Pascal Siakam is, if anyone can match up with AD defensively, uh-huh. I feel like he could be the closest person to that in the entire NBA. He's long as all heck. He's what is he six nine? You know, yeah. maybe six ten. He's look, he's gonna be a problem too. He's, I think, I think Siakam has another level that he's still gonna go to. I did not anticipate that even going into last year. I didn't even necessarily anticipate. Like, I still had questions going into this year. I was like, okay, he was most improved last year. That was fun. Can he be a number one option? Yep. Well, he's kind of showing. He's kind of showing like, hey, Jabari, you're an idiot. Stop, stop, <laughs> questioning, stop questioning the obvious. Also, big props to Masai Ujiri for finding him in the rough. What? Masai Ujiri is a guy that I wanted the Lakers to take a look at this offseason, but that's did. neither here nor there. 
<laughs> no, but this has been fantastic, Jabari. I've really enjoyed this chat. It's nice to be able to finally talk to you about Absolutely. super positive things. If you yeah, can just tell the... the go on. No, no, I was I was I was sorry, I was so excited about that still. Like really, it is nice to be able to talk about these things and not be talking about, okay, so the front office hates itself and uh, who's actually in you know, yeah, it's great. Well the roster composition looks good, so good job, Rob Palinka. Absolutely. Rambi, Rob Palinka, uh whoever <laughs> else is in there, you guys are doing you guys are doing a good job. <laughs> For now. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Knock on wood to see what they do the rest of the year. Wouldn't we don't need any more uh you know, we don't need any, um, you know, Mike Muscala's <laughs> down the stretch. Yeah, we don't want to get rid of Azu this year. No. Don't get rid of Caruso. <laughs> uh, hey, look, don't make me burn this place down, okay? <laughs> I don't think that will happen. I feel no, like I Frank Vogel so likes him too much. I feel like yeah, Frank Vogel's finally found a place for him in the rotation. And he's going to continue to like him because, like, you know, like I said, all of Kuzma, not Kuzma, all of Caruso stuff is effort, and you know, and and, and it's clear he's going to bring it on a nightly basis. Yeah, I feel like that comp I made in the, in the offseason with you about Caruso being our Fred Van Vliet is looking very pertinent now. Looking real nice. I, I would love for him to truly elevate to that level. If that happens, look, if that happens, you can go ahead and size him up. I'm sorry, <laughs> you, can go ahead, you can go ahead and size him up right now, Iggy or not. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Shabari. Can you tell the people where to find your work, where to be able to reach out to you and all that? Alan, again, thank you for the opportunity. You know it's always great, you know, talking basketball in general, but in particular, positive, quality Lakers stuff with you. Uh, me, I'm simple. You know, find me on Twitter, Jabari Davis NBA. Uh, you know, co-host of the Hot Takes and Shot Fakes podcast. Uh, every so often, I scribble down a few words for HoopMag or NBA.com, uh, but mainly, you know, find me on Twitter. I feel like, if I remember correctly, I have an article coming up in HoopMag soon. Isn't that correct? Yeah, I do. It's, you know, and it's funny, man. Like, you, you know how you do these, you know, you do these features and, you know, they, they, they kind of sit on the shelf for a couple months. So, like, I, I did, you know, I did a, a, a pretty lengthy article on Russell Westbrook in the fit there in Houston leading into the season. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, it's going to come out uh, start of December. It's going to be in the print magazine as well as on both sites. I, I think it'll be on NBA.com. I know for a fact it'll be on hoopmag.com as well as in the actual print magazine, the edition that they put out for Christmas. No, oh, that will be fantastic. And uh, I, for one, can't wait to be able to share that with everyone else. I definitely appreciate it, man. No worries. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, you guys, for listening. If you can, please leave a five-star rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, sorry, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. Let me know what you think. Leave me a review. Send me an email. Send me a message on Twitter. As Jabari knows, I'm very active on there. Oh, yeah. Have a good night, folks. <laughs>